Amen. Thank you. I'm going to move this up a little. I need a little more space. Hope you don't mind preaching in my bare feet today. What was that? No socks required, yeah. It's not like uh, no shoes, no shirt, no whatever, no service. All right. Um, yeah, thanks for, yeah. It's a good thing I kept this shirt on. Yeah, that is good. I don't make a habit of going shirtless too much. All right, moving right along. Why don't we open up to Luke chapter 7. If you're kicking old school like me today, you can use your physical Bible. My iPad uh, bit the dust, so yeah, it's a bad day when that happens, but good thing we've got the, the physical thing laying around the house. So uh, let's get to Luke chapter 7. Today we're going to talk about worship mainly and a whole lot of other stuff, but um, I think the main thing today is about worship. Um, we're going to read a story that's probably familiar to most of us um, and just see what the Lord wants to say, all right? So chapter uh, 7, verse 36. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. One of the Pharisees asked him, talking about Jesus, to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, some translations say exceedingly wicked. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And stood at his feet behind him, weeping. She began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, with the hair of her head. She kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, that's pretty hilarious when Jesus says that, right? The guy's speaking to himself. And Jesus answered, said to him, Simon, that's the Pharisee's name, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. And he does what Jesus does, tells a great story. He says, there's a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. So one owed him 10 times uh, as much as the other. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, You've rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon. So he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Yeah, Jesus. I knew she was in my house. (laughs) Jesus says, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she's washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. 
You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. For to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So Jesus gets invited by this Pharisee guy. And uh, now this isn't, this isn't a type of situation that is kind of like, I really like, I really like you, Jesus, and I want you to come to my house and we're going to hang out. This is, this is the situation where the Pharisee guy is a political figure as well, and this is a political dinner. This is, I'm going to check you out dinner. This is, I'm going to invite everybody, and everybody who wants to see who this Jesus guy is, is going to be there. And it's like one of those situations, I don't know if you've ever been involved, where, you know, you, there's this, this pressure in the air. You've got to say the right thing. You've got to do the right thing. You've got to look the right way. Because if you do the wrong thing at the wrong moment, you could offend lots of people, and then you, and then you have a tarnished reputation. Yeah, it's, it's that type of deal, right? So the Pharisee, yes, he invited him over. And, you know, he's, he's going to feed him well. He's going to treat him well. But that's all part of the deal, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's when, when you're that type of figure, that's what you do. You, 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 you know how to put on a good meal. And you know how to do the right things. And you know how to say the right things. Because you're all about connecting to the right person to get what you want from them. And not connecting to the people that will make you look bad, right? So that's the situation. And Jesus says, sure, yeah, I'll come over. I know what I'm getting myself into, by the way, but I'll come over. I think Jesus had the same philosophy as uh, um, Robin McMillan. Robin McMillan told me once, he said, never, never, ever refuse somebody who's going to pay for your meal. (laughs) I think it's good advice, right? I like free food. So Jesus is like, hey, at least I'm going to get some free food out of the deal. So he comes over to the Pharisee's house, Simon's house. And according to my understanding, when you come, in, when you come into the house, right, it's kind of customary that you're greeted with a kiss. I don't know what that looks like. It's like a little, you know, or maybe a double, you know, one of those on the cheek, something like that. So... So, you know, it's, it's a customary thing. It's kind of like an honoring. It's kind of like, welcome to my house. Hey, you know, come on in. And so there, there's this kiss. And then oftentimes they'd have this, this oil and they'd anoint, anoint their head with oil. And then they'd have a servant wash their feet because, you know, they walked around in dirty places with sandals on. And their feet were dirty, right? So Jesus gets there. And it's interesting. We find out Jesus did not get any of that treatment, did he? He didn't get any of that. Why do you think that is? Simon is a master at doing enough 
to what's politically correct, but he's not sure about Jesus, so he doesn't want to be connected to him yet. Right? So he, if he welcomes him in and does, does the customary stuff, then all of a sudden some other people could be like, ooh, Simon's in with Jesus. And anything that Jesus says is connected to Simon then. And you know what I mean? It's one of those deals, I think. Now, I'm expanding on, on the text, and I'm saying some things just that help me get in the story, right? And, uh, I mean, it makes sense, though, doesn't it? I mean, it, it seems historically like this could be what's happening in the whole reason. So, so here we have Jesus. He comes in, and don't you think Jesus knew what was going on? Don't you think Jesus knew? Mm, okay, so it's going to be like that. All right. <clears throat> so he gets to the table, and I don't know how big these tables are, and it says that he's reclining at the table. I don't know exactly what that looks like. Maybe somebody from that culture could show me, but we can imagine whatever that looks like. He's chilling. He's having a good time. He's having a feast, right? He's hanging out. He's relaxed, you know? And uh, so, so there's this woman, and everybody knows this woman. Right? Because she's called out as the sinner. She's called out uh, by everyone. Everybody knows this woman. She's the one that everybody talks about. You know, she's the one that whenever she, whenever she's around, hey, do you see her? You know, do you see that woman over there? You know what she does? Yeah, I've heard about her. Yeah, I don't want to go hang out with her. I don't want to be near her. I don't want to be seen with her. Now, it's very possible she was a prostitute. We don't know exactly. But uh, in, it's, it's probably a good likelihood that she was. So she was the town harlot. But everybody knew who this woman was. We can pretty much safely assume that. And if they didn't know going in, they found out in a hurry. Because in dinners like that, with people like that, who are very uber aware of, of um, connections, uh, you better believe that there was a whole lot of that, oh my gosh, did you see who just came in? Oh my gosh, she's here. Uh, walk the other way. Uh. And, then, and then here they are. Can, you can imagine this, right? Wait, she's got... She's got some oil with her. What the heck is she doing? I mean, she's got this little box of alabaster. Wow, that stuff is expensive. I think she probably uses that in her trade. What'd she do bringing, bringing that to the party? I don't know. Why is she even here? I don't know. So here's this woman. And all she brings with her, from what we can tell from the text, is this little box. I don't know how big it is. Probably not too big. But it's got this expensive oil. Jesus made a point to say that, that it wasn't the common oil. It was fragrant oil. It wasn't the common, you know, you know, that you would get put on your head or whatever when you walked in the door. But she had the fragrant oil, so it sets it apart. It's expensive. I don't know exactly how, how expensive, but it, probably to her, it's pretty darn expensive. Probably costs a lot. Um, anyway. From, from what we're told... 
we we get the impression that she was there even she was there from the moment Jesus walked in, right? She came to the party looking for Jesus because she needed Jesus. She came with this intention from the beginning that she had this box, I am going to anoint this man. Because he's the one I need. I need the savior. She's broken. And and so she comes to this party and she's there as Jesus arrives. Just go here with me. She's here when Jesus arrives. And she knows how, th- how the customs go, right? And, and she's looking. And she's got this whole plan all along that she's going to anoint him. Because he deserves it in her eyes with this oil. And she's, she's watching and she's expecting when he comes in to get the kiss. To get the oil on his head. And then for a servant to come and wash his feet. And you can imagine she's sitting there in amazement. Just, this is Jesus. They're dishonoring him by not honoring him. And in her eyes, I can imagine her heart starts to break. Her start, she starts to get overwhelmed in her heart because this is Jesus. And how can they treat him like that? I mean... She knows the situation she's in, and she sees all these Pharisee and political type people welcoming Jesus in, and here Jesus is the, this person that she's heard about and that her heart loves and, and knows that he's the one that's going to save her and set her free from all this stuff that she's in. And, and here he is walking in the door, and he is being dishonored in front of all these people. He's not even getting the common treatment. He's not getting the kiss. He's not getting the oil on the head. And he's not even getting a servant coming over to wash the dirt off his feet. And so she watches as, as he goes to the table and is reclining at the table. And the scenario plays out something like this. She's standing behind him. I don't know how this worked. But she's standing behind him. And all this is welling up inside of her. And all she has is this box. And she just starts to weep. She just starts to let it go. She just start, it just starts to boil over inside of her. This, they're dishonoring Jesus, and I love Jesus, and I'm here to repent, and I'm here to, to honor him, and I've got this oil, and it just starts to overflow, and she just stands behind, and then it's all this emotion of, you better believe she knows that all these people are in, her, in their heart are judging her because she's used to that. Everywhere she goes, there's this, this disdain toward her because she has the reputation as the exceedingly sinful one, right? So here she is. She braved um, the crowd just to come because she had to meet Jesus. She had to minister to Jesus. She had to express in her own way the way that she, only way she knew how this love towards this man that she knew was the only hope she had. And here she is standing behind him. He's reclined at the table somehow, some way, and she starts weeping. And this weeping is not just a quiet weeping, but it's a sobbing. It's a distracting. It's, it's one of those things that everybody sees. You can't hide. And here she is doing this thing. And you better believe there's chatter going around the room. What is she doing? And it's so many tears. I don't know if you guys have done the ugly cry. The ugly cry was happening right now, right? The ugly cry was going on. And there's so many tears coming out of her face that it's enough to start wiping the, 
the, the dirt off Jesus' feet. So he's got these dirty feet, and these tears are dropping. And you can imagine her. I believe, this is what I believe, that she came to the party with one intention, to anoint Jesus with this oil. But she saw that he didn't even get the common treatment. And here she is with all she has is this oil. But she's like, they dishonored it. And she's crying. And she's like, oh, my tears. She doesn't have a towel. She doesn't have water. But she's like, oh, my tears, my tears, my tears. So she's crying. And then she's like, oh, I don't have a towel, but I got my hair. She gets down. She starts, she's crying. She's kissing his feet, dirty feet. My feet are relatively clean. They're not too dirty. His feet were pretty nasty, I bet. She's kissing his feet, crying on them, wiping them with her hair. And this is all going on during this dinner. Craziness. Totally disrupting. Everybody notices. Everybody's thinking things and saying things in the self, like including Simon. We get a little picture into the inner dialogue of Simon, and he's like, this Jesus, he's not a prophet. I came here to check him out. I'm glad I did before I did anything to connect myself to him because he's not a prophet. If he was a prophet, he would know, duh, this woman is sinful and she's touching him. She's touching him. That is a bad thing in his eyes because he's a Pharisee. And according to what my understanding, Pharisee means separate. Because their whole view of holiness is separation from anything unclean. Anything unclean, I can't, I can't be, let it touch me. I need to keep myself ceremonially clean. I need to do all the right things. I need to say all the right things. I can't be around the wrong people at the wrong time. Or else I'm, I can be connected to that and I can be viewed as unclean. But I need to be viewed as holy. My whole life, my whole everything I have rests on me being separate from sinners. Separate from unclean things. And here this woman is in my house. You know, there is an Old Testament point of view of holiness that if something is holy and it comes into contact that something that's unclean, it therefore becomes unclean. But Jesus, he's blowing that to smithereens right now. Jesus is saying he's showing us the holiness of God, the grace of God, that I am letting this woman touch me with her most unclean parts, and it doesn't make me unclean, but my holiness makes her holy. You can be sin-conscious, or you can be Jesus conscious. You can live your life trying, being scared of sin and scared of the world and it's scared of all the bad stuff happening and it contaminating you. Or you can live the world Jesus focused, full of grace, and you can go into the most sinful situation. And like we were saying early, good, good overcomes evil. 
What's inside of you changes the atmosphere. It doesn't contaminate you one bit because what's inside of you is greater, right? Greater than what's in the world, right? And so Jesus is showing a different way. He's blowing their minds. He's blowing the religious mind because how many of you know the religious thought is, I got to stay away from sinful stuff. And if I'm caught watching the wrong movie or I have friends who are, have a certain lifestyle and other religious people find out, they're going to think bad of me. Come on. We know how church works. Yeah? We know how church works. But Jesus is showing a different way. This woman sacrificed a whole lot to get in that room, didn't she? She gave up a whole lot to meet Jesus. And I think the biggest sacrifice that she made was the sacrifice to be completely exposed in front of all those people that were pointing fingers at her. Completely unveiled. One of my favorite scriptures is in 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being changed from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Something like that. So this woman chooses out of desperation, out of brokenness. And here's this stark contrast of holiness. You have the religious holiness that says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep myself separate from her, from everything like that. And then you have the holiness that Jesus is showing, that I want you to expose the nastiest part of you to me. And I want you to let that touch me because... I'm not scared. And my holiness will overcome that and make you holy. And I think this whole story is this beautiful prophetic picture of worship. And there's this, this cool connection that I, that, I, that I hopefully I can make here that it will make sense. In Corinthians... It says this thing. It says a woman's hair is her glory. And especially in that culture, long hair, and, and that was so important. And it was that part of a woman that was honored. And, and so here she is wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. And it's a picture of this glory. Now, I want to look, at, look through a couple psalms. Because they're, they're, it's really interesting to me, this whole concept of not God's glory, but a glory that we have to minister to Jesus and actually give him a gift. Now, there's certain times in Scripture that we'll, that we'll see, in, especially in, Psalm, in Psalms, where the psalmist says, even with my glory, I will praise you. What, what is that? What does that mean? But first, I just want to go through a few scriptures here to set this up. Psalm 8, verse 5, talking about the creation of man. God says, uh, or the, the psalmist says, For you, speaking of God, made him a little lower than the angels, speaking of us men. You have crowned him 
with glory and honor. That word glory is kabod. It's the same word that we use talking about the weighty presence of God. But it says that God gave us as human beings, each one of us, he's given us this glory, this kabod of our own. Let's read uh, Psalm 29. Verse 2, it says, Give unto the Lord the glory, same word, kabod, due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. What's the glory due his name? It's this glory that he crowned us with when he made us. He gives us this, he gave us this glory. Every one of us has it. It's our personality. Every one of us has has a different expression of what that's like. It's who, this is my definition of, of glory. It's who we really are. The definition of God's glory, it's who he really is. But we have this glory, it's who we really are. Apart from all the masks, apart from all the facades, apart from all the looking like something that we've made to look good to whoever, it's who we really are in our guts, right? And we have this opportunity to choose who we're going to give that to. And then just one more uh, Since we're right there, Psalm 30, verse 12. To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks. I will give thanks to you forever. So it's, it's our soul. It's this thing that God has given us. He's crowned us with this glory. And here this woman is giving us a picture of true worship where she completely unveils herself, exposes herself, shows her raw self. Because she's at a point where she doesn't care anymore. I mean, everybody knows she's a sinner. She knows she's a sinner. And here this man is, the one who's gonna, who she knows can set her free. And she doesn't care anymore. And she exposes who she really is and lets it touch Jesus. And so much so that Jesus feels that love from her. He says that this woman loved me. It's the word agapeo, or agape. It's the Greek word for selfless non-sexual love. And I think that's pretty cool because if she is indeed a prostitute, here she is redeemed. In front of everybody, it's not, she's not showing some kind of sexual love like she has to so many men before, possibly, if she is a prostitute. But instead, she's, show, she's showing this agape, selfless love that's non-sexual in any way, has no hint of it. And she is giving us a picture of this gift that we can give to Jesus, of our glory. Every one of us has this ability to give a gift to the Lord. We can worship Him with our glory. Or we can choose to use our glory for other things. When we see someone do great things, and functioning in their full ability, and, 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 and it, that is their glory coming out. And, we ha- and it's not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's what God created us for. It's, it's who you are coming out. But we have a choice to give 
Jesus a gift. Give it back to him and give him a gift of who we really are. Simon invited Jesus to this party. And, you know, he, he gave him some good food, but that's about it. He didn't really honor him. And Simon walked away with a rebuke. But this woman came and honored Jesus the best she knew how, revealing who she really was. Unlike Simon, who was so concerned about his, his, the view of other people and staying in his political correctness. So instead of walking away with a rebuke, she walked away forgiven, set free, sozoed. That's what that word is. You've been saved because of your faith, Jesus said. And he said, go in peace. She walked away with that, that peace. That Greek word peace is pretty close to, to the Hebrew word shalom. That wholeness, it means to set at one. Jesus set her back at one, wholeness. She walked away with that. And that's the beautiful thing of this, this amazing, mysterious exchange that happens in worship where, just like, like that scripture said, but we all with an unveiled face beholding as in a mirror. What do you behold in a mirror? You behold yourself. There's this weird thing where there's this glory that's been given to us by God, but then there's his glory, and there's this weird intermingling, awesome, I shouldn't say weird, I should say beautiful intermingling in worship of this glory that God has given us, and we give it to him as a gift, and then he shows us who he really is in his glory, and it's in that exchange that we are changed from glory to glory. And, and just like this woman, we get saved, but then how many of you know that we get saved, but we are being saved, and we will be saved completely one day. And we're in this process of being changed from glory to glory to glory to glory. And the way we do this is our recognition and honoring of Jesus and giving him that gift. And not being deterred by what other people think. And that's a lot easier said than done, isn't it, sometimes? But I want to encourage you, along with myself, let's do it. Who cares what people think? Let's touch Jesus with our exceedingly wicked parts. And let's be changed by that glory. Let's come boldly before the throne of grace. Receive mercy and grace in time of need. Let's do it as much and as often as we can. Let's do it. All right, let's stand. So I think it'd be appropriate if uh, we just sing some love songs to the Lord. And I want to encourage you to go deeper. Wherever you're at with exposing yourself, who, the real self, to the Lord, let's just practice doing that right now. Let's just get as real as we can. And let's just give Jesus a love gift from our heart, from the deepest parts of our soul. All right. Take it away. If you've got parts that you know are exceedingly wicked that need a touch from God, that weaknesses in your life, places that you know need to change and you know that you can't change them, 
I encourage you to open up that part of who you are to the Lord right now. And let him touch you with his holiness and change you forever. So Lord, right now, help us. Lord, give us the grace to be brave. Give us the grace to to let go of the mask. Lord, would you take all those facades and things and structures that we may not even know are there. God, they're just habits, things that have formed ever since we were young. Lord, would you come right now with grace to, to break through those things, to help us get to that raw place. Lord, that place where we're completely honest, that place that we maybe don't even show anyone. But Lord, right now, help us to be strong enough to show you. Give us the grace to show you those areas. Lord, and right now we want to give you a gift. Right now we want to give you a gift of our love. 